Thank you, ladies. So, today is our last message in in our Coming Home series. And uh, I hope that uh, you've enjoyed this series. We've celebrated Christmas and coming home and family and what that means. And and I go back to a couple weeks ago when we we talked about the loving Father. And uh, I am so grateful for that. That while we had gotten to a point where we turned our back and pushed away and said, we don't want anything to do with you. And in essence, God, we wish you were dead. And he waited for us to come home and he come running. He, he lowered himself to our level through his son, Jesus. And uh, so today we're going to close out and, and we'll, uh, we'll do... Um, just kind of a standalone next week. And then the following week, it's the very first week. You guys realize it's the first week of January. And so we got a new word for the year. Uh, I told you a couple weeks ago, prayer, we were supposed to, we started out great. But then things kind of got derailed and, and uh, that was our year, word for the year. And we'll be rolling that out. And then the second series, when we start actually a series, be the second week of January, We're going to be taking a look at um, our values, what we value. Now, that doesn't mean that uh, there's there's going to be some things that are not on the list, and that doesn't mean that we don't value them. But those are these are going to be the things that we, as a leadership team, over the last couple years, have kind of put in place. um, What those things, what those values are, and there's been different people in the room that have had uh, opportunity to speak into that. And so, just as a good reminder of, of kind of what we're doing and where we're going and, and uh, kind of God's direction for us for the next couple of years, it's hard to believe. This spring, it'll be almost five years. And uh, it doesn't seem like it's been that long. Things have went quick. So, anyway, coming home. You get off on a tangent, and then I'm here until like 1230. Um, when when my, my kids were little, they, uh, none of them were early risers. They were sleepers. And if you've seen one of my kids before 8 o'clock, you knew there was a problem. Something was wrong. Um, either somebody had broke something or somebody had gotten sick because they just, I mean, they didn't get up. They were all good sleepers. And uh, anyway... They, they, they were always really consistent until sometime after Thanksgiving, that changed every year. Once they got old enough to understand the concept of Thanksgiving and Christmas, and there was a correlation there. And so the questions would, would start, and it, was, it started with Courtney, it was, when is Christmas? How soon is that? When do we get a present? When do we, you know, and, and all of these questions. And then the twins came along, and, and they started to ask those questions once they got old enough to talk to, and and there was just this anticipation about Christmas that they would get up in the morning and say, is it Christmas? And it's like, no, not yet. And sometimes, you know, because kids don't always have an idea of what time really is, I think. Sometimes it was multiple times a day. Is it Christmas yet? No, it's not. 
And sometimes, as things would get closer, they would start getting up earlier, getting prepared. It's weird how that would happen, that they were, they were getting prepared for the day. When it was going to happen, when it was going to be time to rip open presents and wake Dad up on one of the days he didn't have to go to work at 5 o'clock in the morning so that they could open presents. But there was just this anticipation and, and it was exciting and I can remember, and, and, and quite frankly, I, I miss that. I'll be honest with you, I, I miss that. I, I, that was some of the best. Because I told you guys, I, I was not a huge fan of Christmas for a long time. I worked for UPS for a long time. And Christmas was not so much fun. But my kids loved Christmas. And so I don't know how old they were. Probably Courtney was maybe five or six years old. And Sherry got an advent calendar. And the, I don't, can't remember if it was doors or windows, but they, they would start to open up December 1 and 2 and work their way down. And it kind of helped with that, but it helped build the anticipation and the excitement too because they could see visually on a daily basis, hey, we're this, it, 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 there's three days, there's four days, there's you know, a week, whatever it was, Christmas is coming. Until, like I said, they woke Dad up at 5 o'clock in the morning on Christmas morning to open presents. And somewhere along the line, as adults, we lose that anticipation for Christmas, I think. You know, whether it be your job and its busyness, or whether it be the fact that I've got family coming in, or I've got to travel someplace, or, or whatever it is, we kind of lose that anticipation of Christmas. But we have, we shouldn't be that way. We have the opportunity. We should anticipate Christmas. I had somebody tell me recently, well, you realize Jesus wasn't born on December 25th. I said, yeah, I, 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 I've heard that before. He said, it was probably sometime in the spring. I said, I've heard that before too. But this is the day that we're celebrating. And we have the opportunity to anticipate, to get excited about what we're celebrating. Not just about opening presents, but about the greatest gift that was ever given to mankind. But yet, way too often as adults, we frown and kick dirt and kind of... "Mm." Christmas. So this morning, we're going to take a look at the promise that God made through the, through the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 9. But to, before we get there, I'm going to lay a little bit of groundwork with the book of Isaiah. Chapters 1 through 39 is basically... Isaiah yelling at the people of Israel, especially Judah, and saying, stop doing what you're doing. What you're doing isn't honoring God. You're not following His plan. You're being horrible people. You're being disobedient children. It needs to change or bad stuff's going to happen. If you were to read the first 39 chapters of Isaiah, that's what it mainly consists of. In chapter 1, things were so bad that Isaiah compares the city of Jerusalem, the capital, the religious center of the nation of Israel, to a prostitute. In chapter 3, he tells all of Judea, 
the southern kingdom. If something doesn't change, what's going to happen is you, you no longer depend on God. You depend on all of this stuff that you have and the things that you've accumulated and all of this garbage. And what's going to happen is if you don't change your ways, God's going to take it all away. And everything that you depend on, you're going to lose. And then in verse, or chapter 8, Isaiah begins to cry out, guys, change your ways. And he starts talking about if, if you don't stop, if things don't change, if you don't have a change of heart and a change of action, if you don't repent, the Assyrians are coming. And they're going to take you into slavery and they're going to take you into Babylon. And it's not going to be pleasant. It's going to be bad. It's going to be awful. God's crying out, change what you're doing. And for the most part, the people of Israel didn't listen. But I love Isaiah. Well, God, through Isaiah, uses a three-letter word. And sometimes that word, we, we kind of use it, that is a, uh, it's a disclaimer. We, we use it in a different way. But God, it seems like when he uses this word, this little itty-bitty, and I, I asked Darla, it's a conjunction, she told me. I was, I was glad to know that. When, when God uses this, it changes the story. See, God, if you, if you read Isaiah chapter 1 through 8, you hear a lot about God is going to punish. But in chapter 9, things change. He uses the word but. Says, but if you will follow God's plan, even though I know you're not going to do it, guess what? There's some things that are going to happen. God's make, God makes some promises after he uses the word but. So Isaiah chapter 1, or chapter 9, verse 1, easy for me to say. Says, nevertheless, that time of darkness and despair, nevertheless, is kind of like but. That, that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. The land of Zebulun and Naphtali will be humbled, but there will be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies along the road that runs between the Jordan and the sea, will be filled with glory. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who will live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. You will enlarge the nation of Israel and its people will rejoice they will rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest and like warriors dividing the plunder. For you will break the yoke of their slavery and lift the heavy burden from their shoulders. You will break the oppressor's rod just as you did when you destroyed the army of Midian. The boots of the warriors and the uniforms of the blood stained by war will be burned. They will be fuel for the fire. For a child is born to us. A son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. 
And He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of His ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord's heaven's armies will make it happen. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for these words. We thank You for, God, You inspiring the prophet, laying it on his heart to share this with the nation of Israel. But Father, these words ring true with us today. So speak to us. Change us. We love you, Jesus, and we ask it in your name. Amen. Isaiah says, guess what? Things are bad. Things are going to get worse. Does that sound like anything that we've got going on now? Right? Who would have thought that back in 20, December of 2019, we would be sitting here and things would have happened that happened this year. Did anybody anticipate where we were going to go? Anybody? Is there anybody that's a prophet in here? I'm, I'm not. I didn't see it coming. And Isaiah, in his time, and in, his, in speaking to God's people, he says things are going to get worse. Things are going to be rough. And I've kind of, for the last couple of months, gone, okay, I'm going to hold out for 2021. That's a new year. We're going to hold out. Things are going to be better. But the closer we get, the more I'm thinking, it's probably going to be the more the same. I, I don't know. I don't want to be a pessimist. It just seems like things aren't changing quite as rapidly as I had hoped for. But as, as Isaiah's writing this to the people of Israel, this this warning and this promise. He says when the Messiah comes, God promises that there's, gonna, there's some things that are going to take place. And when they do, you can hang your hat on this. This will happen. So don't give up. Easy to say, right? I think all of us probably know someone, or maybe it's several someones, that when you talk to them, they're in a bad spot. It's a rough life. Isolation is not for everybody. It drives me nuts. But we have hope. The Messiah is not just hope for the nation of Israel. He's hope for us. And so let's take a look at some of the promises that uh, Isaiah spoke to the nation of Israel. The first is found in verse 2. It says, The people will come out of the darkness. God makes a promise to the people of Israel. He makes a promise to us as well. That this is not all that there is. Right? There will be a light at the end of the tunnel. I've, I've talked to some people, honestly, I don't think they can grasp that idea. They're in a bad space. Whether it's lonely, it's financial, whatever it might be, they're not in a good spot. And God says through Isaiah, the people will come out of it. There will be an end to this. Now, 
for the people that Isaiah was writing to? It took 700 years. I hope not. But over those 700 years, there was this remnant of people who trusted God and took Him at His word. And they taught their children to trust God and take Him at His word that the promise was that this will end someday. was true. And they taught their children and they taught your children so that in 700 years, there was still a remnant of people who believed God's promise. I probably, I'm not going to lie to you, there's probably a time somewhere around year 500 or so, I probably would have got a little pessimistic. God, it's been 500 years. I know you, you said that there will be an end to the darkness, that we'll come through this, but God, it's been 500 years. COVID, social unrest, loss, economic roller coasters, right? That's what the last year has been. This crazy election cycle. Just when you think things might be getting normal, something else even more crazy happens. But God's people will come out on the other side. There's more than just what's happening right here in our present situation, our present context. The second thing, he says, when the Messiah comes, and as you come out of it, what will happen in verses 3 through 5 is that you will experience growth, you will experience provision, and at the end, an end to the slavery that you are experiencing. Right, we talked about there was probably the group was shrinking. I don't, maybe not. Maybe God inspired them and they were faithful and it was a large group. But I think looking at human nature, it was probably a small group. I won't say a handful of people, but the nation of Israel was kind of prone, just like we are, to doing their own thing. Oh, God's great when I need something, but otherwise I'm going to. Uh, I'm going to do my own thing, my own stuff. But he says, when you come through, there's going to be some things that happen. You're going to experience growth. God is going, his greatness is going to be shown when you come out the other side. You're going to be stronger. People are going to go, wow, God kept his promise. Something I was, I was sitting at the desk last night thinking about as I was making my, finishing up my keynote. You know, the nation of Israel, that was, you were kind of it. You know, God's chosen people. And if you wanted to, you had to convert to Judaism. And it was a, we've talked about that. It was a, it's a process to be one of those God's chosen people. And yet he says we're going to grow. And you think about what's the ramifications for us. And you think about the fact that 
Remember when Jesus died and the curtain was ripped and access was given to the Father, to a whole new group of people, you and I. We had an opportunity to have a relationship with God that before that we didn't really have. And the family grew. Right? We've been talking a lot about family through this coming home series. And the family grew and it grew. And that's good for us. It says, you'll find provision. Remember I said in chapter 3, the Israelites, the Judeans, they were trusting themselves and what they could see and what was tangible to them. God says, you're going to come through this and what you're going to find is that God is going to provide. I'm going to give you everything that you need, not everything that you want. We get confused with that sometimes, right? We think that God, well, God, God's like this genie or he's Santa Claus. But God provides what we need. And he, he makes that promise through the Messiah. The real provision has to do with the last one, though, I think, as well. It's an end of slavery. See, what the Israelites, what the Jews were on this repetitive cycle of sin and repent, sacrifice, back in the good graces of God. But yet they were still slaves to sin. When Jesus came, that all changed. No longer do we have to be slaves to sin. It no longer does it have to have control over our lives. We may choose to do that. But we don't ha- it does not have to control us. And so through through Jesus, through the Messiah, God made provision for us to no longer be slaves. Verse 6 says the prom- the promised one will usher in peace. Think about that. I've never been a slave. But I got to think that was not a peaceful way of life. You were somebody ordering you around if you didn't do the job right, you got beat, you got, you know, who knows what it would entail. Isaiah says, when the Messiah comes, he's going to bring peace. When you're brought through this, you're going to find peace to a group of people who peace was probably very difficult to find. And I think when we look around, and and, and maybe... Maybe in Ellendale, we're a little bit isolated. You know, we've, we've lost some folks, and, but you, you look at the economics and you go, oh, really, you know, I'm sure it's affected Peggy a little bit with having to close, you know, be, and, but for the most part, the businesses are still open, and, you know. But you don't have to go very far to realize that there are some people who are really concerned about this, that it's really had a negative effect on their business, or on their life, or on their family. And Isaiah says, 
the promised one, the Messiah, will bring peace. And then in verse 7, the best. He will reign forever. It won't end. Never. When He comes, He's going to be put on the throne and it's forever! That's hard for us to wrap our mind around, right? I can't imagine. Wayne and I were talking before first service today, talking about eternity, and it's like, that is a hard thing to wrap your mind around. At least for me. These things won't change. It doesn't come you know, and blow with the wind or go away. His reign will be forever. So, how has 2020 affected you? I said earlier, we're two weeks away from 2021. I mean, be honest. Even, even if you go, okay, I have not had COVID. I haven't known anybody that had COVID. Um, my economic situation hasn't changed. I uh, wasn't part of any of the rioting or any of the social unrest. I... Um, I voted, but, you know, it was like, oh. It's had an effect on us. It has affected us, each and every one of us. Maybe different. I think one of the big things, there's this distrust for authority figures right now that I don't remember it being as, like, prominent as it is right now. Maybe it's just me. I don't know. But it's affecting us. So how has it affected you? But then, what I want you to realize and want you to think about is no matter how chaotic 2020 has been or how potentially crazy 2021 might be, it is only in Jesus that we can experience joy, hope, and peace. And that's the message that we should be sharing. That is, that is why we should be anticipating Christmas. Because this opens the opportunity, this opens the door for us to share the good news of Jesus Christ to people who are lost and broken and scared and sick and asking, what is next? It can't get any worse. It can. And it might. But we have the hope that even if our situations, if the context that we find ourselves in gets worse, Isaiah said, He will reign forever. Forever. He's not dependent on my context or my situation. So, no matter how bleak things seem to be, or maybe you go, things are pretty good. No matter how bleak or good they might be, we need to remember 
that Jesus is why we can have hope. Jesus is why we can have joy in the midst of trials and heartache. Jesus is the reason that we can find peace in a tumultuous season. So here's my challenge for you this week. Actually, just for the next few days. I want you to become like a kid. A little kid. And I want you to begin to anticipate Christmas. And all of the good that comes with that announcement. I I don't know if I told you guys a couple weeks ago... um, I was at the park for the, the lighting at Brandenburger Park. And Santa come walking down Main Street. And our little neighbor girl is, I think, two and a half or three years old. And as Santa said, ho, 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 he was about midway through Main Street. And somebody turned her around and she caught sight of him. And she stood... And she was speechless. And her mouth was open and she shook. And he walked all the way across the highway and got to the park. And he leaned down and he talked to her. There's a video on Facebook. And this little girl, oh! What would happen? What would it look like? if we have that childlike anticipation of what Jesus is going to do. Wow. When's the last time? I, I've got to be honest with you, not me. When's the last time you really stopped and went, God, wow! No. So my challenge is, over the next few days, you're going to be encountering people, whether it's family members, whether it's friends, whether it's coworkers, or maybe you've got to go out of your way to do it. Maybe you've got to come into town and just like sit at the fireside or wander around the grocery store. I don't know. I want you to have that anticipation of Christmas. Not Christmas for presents or for Santa, but the birth of Jesus Christ and what it means for us. And then I challenge you to share that with people who have not experienced it. It's not hard to find somebody that's frowning. Somebody who's grumbling. Somebody who really isn't excited about Christmas. That's my challenge for you this week. To exuberantly, like that word, I don't, don't ask me how to spell it, share Jesus and his birth. We have such an amazing message to share. That not only did he humble himself and be born in a barn, that's great, but what matters is 33 years later, He gave his life to pay my price, the price that I owed. Step into that.
anticipate, enjoy, get excited because of that message. I'm going to pray. We have one more song. And then we're done. Father, we thank you. Jesus, you are so good. We have such a reason to be excited. But too often we, uh, we're nervous about what other people might think. Or what other people might say. Father, I pray that you will help us to just step into your story. Let us lead lives that show your excitement and we're anticipating what it is that you're going to do and what we're going to celebrate later this week. Jesus, I pray that you give us the opportunity to be your hands and feet with the people that we love and care about the people that we work next to the people that we live next to or God if it be a random stranger that too give us the opportunity to share your love your grace and your hope we love you Jesus and we ask it in your name